Hi humans, welcome back to My Game Fiction Addiction and Merry Christmas! I'd be lying if I said this was a particularly merry one here in London. We were chilling in Tier 3 of the government's COVID-19 measures, thinking that while we were mostly staying at home, at least we could form small Christmas bubbles with well-sanitised family members over the holidays. Then Boris was like, psych bitches, this isn't even your final form! Oosh, Tier 4! And now we're basically all locked down for the foreseeable future. I get it, honestly I do, it's to stop people spreading germs, but it doesn't hurt our wee hearts any less. But enough of that, you know what 2020 has been good for? Video games! If you're listening to us for the first time, this is a podcast where every episode me and a guest dive headfirst into one of gaming's greatest plots. And this is a very special one, not just because it might be the last one of the year, but also because it features a brand new guest. Joining me on this episode is the mega-talented Bertie Alexander, a musician, songwriter, producer, video game enthusiast and all-round dude. Bert's many musical talents include vocals, drums and guitar, and between the hours of 8-ish to 4-ish, he's also a badass music teacher which basically makes him the real Ned Schneebly. Alright, now is everyone nice and pissed off? Good! Time to write a rock song! His music is a combo of alt and indie rock with a rich and swirling soundscape that would be so at home on a video game soundtrack. Think the atmospheric ambience of Death Stranding with punchy melodies that send an emotional surge through the brain. I'll pop a link to Bert's Spotify in the podcast notes and I'll play you guys his track Dirt at the end of the show. Bert and I became friends back at university when we were both dabbling in community radio and, shamefully, I didn't even know the extent of his delight nerdiness until he messaged me about the podcast and suggested one of his favourite games of all time, Limbo. Over a decade old now, Limbo is a beloved 2D platform puzzler created by indie studio Playdead and released in 2010. You take control of an unnamed boy navigating a dangerous wilderness of traps and perilous environments as he searches for his sister. The visual style is particularly remarkable, being presented entirely in black and white with a sombre, film grain effect to make it feel like an old school horror flick. And a first for this podcast, there's no dialogue of any kind in the game. So this will be a slightly different structure to previous episodes and way easier for yours truly to edit. Get in! Limbo is also a shorter game than many we've covered so far, so this will be a nice snappy episode. Perfect for like, the duration of a good bath when you don't want to get too wrinkly. Despite its short stature, Limbo is a beautiful and complex game with plenty to be discussed, especially as so much of its story is obscure. As always, if you want to have your say on Limbo or recommend a game narrative we should cover, get us on Twitter at MyGameFiction and at MyGameFictionAddiction on Instagram. And if we make your ears right chuffed, a review on Apple Podcasts would be splendid. Alrighty, here we go. This is not only my first uh, with you, but it's my first podcast ever. No way. Am I taking your podcast virginity? Yeah, yeah. God, I'm going to treasure that. I'm going to put that on the mantelpiece <laughs> forever. You're a fellow gamer, which is kind of how we got talking. And you actually suggested the game that we're going to cover today uh, on the show. What was the first video game that you fell in love with? My dad had an old Mega Drive. And I, yeah, I, I play like, you know, the, the, the classic. I, th- I think it's just called Sonic. Is the first Sonic just Sonic? Just Sonic the Hedgehog, I think. He wasn't like Beyonce back then. He didn't know. He, he had to have his, <laughs> his latter part. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was just the the the, uh, the OG scroller. I think I always say Fallout Four is like my favorite ever, just because of the pure scope of it and 
and the world building and the atmosphere and stuff. But yeah, I mean, The Last of Us this year was, sorry, The Last of Us 2, I should say. Did you watch the Game Awards? I mean, The Last of Us cleaned up, which is probably not a massive surprise. Best art direction for um, Ghost of Tsushima is completely warranted. Because you're playing that right now, aren't you? Yeah, so I, I mean, I had, this is going to make me sound um, desperate for um playing video games but I literally had like 12 days to wait until Cyberpunk came out it was Black Friday and uh, Ghost of Tsushima came up um, for a reasonable price and I thought you know what I'll go for it I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it oh you finished it now yeah yeah mate I'm not hanging about (laughs) (laughs) I'm so jealous of your time what is your secret even though like I this is one of the biggest myths about working in the games industry everyone's like you must have so much time to play games no you really don't you're always busy my secret is working uh school hours um so (laughs) I tend to be home at like half four absolute latest especially nowadays when there's nothing else to do um (laughs) i've got a lot of time to you know kick back and uh play some video games so let's get into limbo then when did you first play limbo and what was it about it that caught your eye do you know what i think the first thing i remember about seeing something to do with limbo was a friend of mine had um one of those stickers you get on the back of a macbook where the light shines through and um it was the the boy's face and his eyes lit up and it looked really cool uh, and I was like okay asked him about it it's from a video game it's generally uh, not a very expensive game to purchase which again as a uni student is one of the boxes that you need to check so yeah I just went for it and the rest is history it's short it's sweet you can probably get it done in maybe like two three hours if you just like solidly play it and also you're better at puzzles than me <laughs> <laughs> When you first played it, how long did it take you to get through it? Oh, God knows. It definitely wasn't. It was more than one sitting. Yeah, I mean, some of those puzzles, it is literally sort of like go on YouTube territory and work out how on earth do I get past this bit? Because some of it is genuinely like, okay, well, this is impossible. This is like, this this is a bug. This doesn't work. And then you go and watch someone else do it on YouTube and you're like, ah, shit, I should have known that. That's exactly it. Limbo, for me, was full of those moments where I was just like, oh, man, I could have figured that out. Like when someone tells you a a riddle or something and then when they explain it, you're just like, I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) But your brain, you almost can't unlock the dimension in which your brain can see it. Despite only being a silhouetted kind of film noir art style it's impressive just how many of those death animations make you wince despite Mm. not being able to really even fully see the limbs and the detail on your character i think the bear traps spring to mind as soon as you've said that 100 (laughs) percent. yeah i mean there's a lot of this game that's going to make you shit your pants but i remember the first time that happened i was like oh my god because you because the bear traps like kind of just sticking out of the ground like Having played it a couple of times already, you're like, okay, well, I know those are there. But the first time, and they just clamp shut, and that's it. Bertie, do you want to press the spoiler alarm? I would love to. Yeah, boy! Spoiler alert, if you don't want plot details, get out of here, because we dish in the dirt. We are about a blurt, so if you ain't played it yet, spare your poor ears, and no one gets hurt. We know you'd be pissed if you're in the midst of a really great game, and we told you the twist, or told you who died, and how much we cried. We'd feel kind of bad for derailing your ride. We've been there before, and it is a shitter when some total n- posts the ending on Twitter. So back away now, and you won't get scorned, because spoilers are coming, and you have been warned. <laughs> 
So Limbo follows the story of a young boy. Uh, a lot of fans call him Limboy. In this massive forest that's very obscure, very sort of like a, a dream logic style tableau. And he's exploring this really murky undergrowth looking for his sister. And you don't even get that from the game. Like, this is one of the things I love about Limbo is the obscurity of it. Like, you you don't even get told that. That's something that you actually have to go on Wikipedia and, like, do a plot check for. Because you just wake up as this character. And I think that was what really intrigued me. The fact that you're just, you wake up and then that's it. And you're in. And, and the world that's obviously being, like, um, put in front of you is so bleak. There's no context, there's no scene setting, and you're not even told what the buttons are. Because you're not being told like a complex set of controls, you're just kind of like ambling through. I'm gonna have to work out what is going on here without any help at all. <laughs> you're wrapped up in it straight away. Did you immediately run the other way and get the trophy? A gamer's instinct of like, you always go the way you're not supposed to go first, because <laughs> you never know what you're gonna find. You know what? I got a bone to pick with them about the trophies, to be honest. There's a trophy called No Point in Dying, which is to complete the game in one sitting with five or less deaths. I'm absolutely calling bullshit on that. <laughs> I mean, it's... I can't, I can't imagine the amount of hours you'd have to put in even before you get the trophy. To know it that intimately, yeah? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there are people on YouTube that do like no death speed runs and, and uh, I, I haven't got the patience for it, to be quite honest. And also the skill quite quite crucially because <laughs> sometimes as well limbo is so dependent on like these near misses of moments like you might run and grab a ledge and if you were ever so slightly like a, it could be like a fingernail off and you'll miss it so yeah you would need to be an absolute pro and have so much commitment to that let's talk about like the art style and what you see when you first begin the game it's so striking straight away if you'd have told me there was a game with three buttons and it's black and white you'd be like okay and you you know you wouldn't be immediately sold on it but the way that the atmosphere is actually enhanced by sort of limiting you in that sense it makes it so much more rewarding i think in the context of the um the scrollers that you may may have played before sort of the mainstream ones and as we've discussed already sonic mario very colorful very bombastic very like juvenile in in in, in contrast it's a very dark scroller and it's the first one of those that i think i've i'd ever played straight into it and trying to work out what's going on and how the hell am I going to get out of this flipping forest because it's really really scary <laughs> so I didn't know this until I was actually researching it for the podcast a little bit more closely but Aunt Jensen one of the creators grew up around a farm where there were sort of forest areas similar to this and kind of incorporated this film noir art style to the game based on almost how he saw these creepy forests when he was a kid which I think is fascinating particularly if you think about how you're controlling a young boy as well like it's almost it's almost like a normal environment but through the eyes of terror i didn't know that and and the fact that this game is even semi-autobiographical about anyone is is quite chilling <laughs> yeah massively he also has arachnophobia so that again plays into one of the biggest elements of limbo which is the spider quick question actually do you think the world around him is really big or is he just really small <laughs> Is he, is he a shrunk human or is this world like, because the spider's a bloody massive. At one point you like grab the legs of a fly and the fly's really big, but then you get to a hotel and the hotel sign looks kind of like, I mean, you know, you're sort of hopping along it. So I reckon, I reckon he's tiny. What's going on there? 
That's a really good point. That's a really good point, actually. I hadn't thought about that before. The perspective of the game just makes you feel insignificant. And I think the fact that your your mobility and physical capability is so limited adds to that as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Grabbing onto the legs of a fly to like zoom around. He's going to be a pretty small dude. Let's talk about the spider bit then. <laughs> the spider, you know, is kind of the weird poster boy of Limbo. Like everyone thinks yeah. about that spider when they when they think of Limbo. I think the thing about spiders that people hate so much is how they move. Don't get me wrong, there are shitloads of things about spiders that are just plain wrong. Like eight eyes is too many, eight legs is definitely too many. But something about the way a spider moves is so intrinsic to what makes it terrifying and Limbo really nails that. That long sweeping leg of the spider that just kind of like eerily shuffles into the screen. (laughs) Yeah I mean again there's a there's a steep learning curve um, that comes with this game and that you learn as much from dying as you do from staying alive and like working out how to beat the spider will involve you getting impaled. Play Dead coined this style of play, trial and death. The more gruesome the imagery is, the more it's sort of like helping to actually steer the player. When you die, it it doesn't just feel... Because if it's a surprise, it comes out of nowhere and, you know, it's scary and stuff, but you are, you are also learning. Which death do you think was the most gruesome? I mean, there's so many to choose from. Because <laughs> you do die a lot. There's a few that stick out for me. Obviously, the bear trap is one. Whenever you hear a boulder, like, rolling, and you're just like, oh, okay, I'm going to have to turn around, and then you haven't got enough time, and you just get splattered. Also, when you're on top of the uh, the hotel sign, and it intermittently switches on and off, yes. which we now know, if you're on it when it lights up, you get electrocuted and you die, which at the time, again, very surprising, but you learn from it and then you work out, right, okay, well, not only is that gonna happen, but the sign also starts falling apart, which isn't ideal. Like you're going through that whole process of working out how you can get across it. Okay, well, the light comes on and you electrocute yourself and you die. Okay, cool, right, we'll go back to the ledge and we'll jump on the H and we'll get across the H and then we'll get onto the O and then the O starts rolling around and then you fall off and die. And it's just double fuckery. (laughs) First time through, if you get through that without dying, I will tip my cap to you, my friend. I didn't. So you go through all that, but then you get to these like Aboriginal-esque tribes people who have sort of like built this strange series of mechanisms. You know, you've got like levers and tunnels and and sort of um, giant cogs and stuff. So then it kind of gets a little bit more industrial. Some of the puzzles are really challenging towards the middle and eventually towards the end of the game. And anything to do with like water or gravity absolutely screwed with my brain. And Limbo as well is a game where you have to sometimes backtrack to find like a hanging thread 
thread or something, you know, like a loose thread that you might have thought was part of the background that wasn't even something you could interact with actually means you can jump on it, pull it a little bit harder, and then maybe a branch will snap, you know, and that will come down and then you can push that in the water and then you can get across the lake that way. And it's so intricate and you find just like everything's important. Everything in this game is so deliberate and something that may seem insignificant is actually hugely significant. If you see a crate and you think, oh, I think I'm done with that crate. I'll just leave that there. And then you, you know, you're walking for a couple of minutes and you go, oh, I need a crate. I wonder where I can get... Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> I had a crate. The gravity puzzles were really challenging. And I actually, I did read that one of the only real criticisms about the game was that it kind of, it started off, originally the spider was kind of meant to be towards the end. It was almost going to be a bit of a, uh, not an end game boss, but like a bit of a, a later game enemy. And I think what they did was they put a lot of the more emotional um, fear and sort of like suspended terror at the beginning. And then the more sort of cerebral traps towards the end, which actually made the last part of the game feel a bit lonely because at first you were responding more to things and then towards the end your trial and death had kind of gone out the window because you were just getting a bit more frustrated yeah it's a very fine line to tread when it comes to the gravity puzzles like the the margin for success is a lot slimmer i i, I understand that criticism but i just think the whole anti-gravity thing is so it just adds another layer and you you kind of like you know that you're not on earth it doesn't feel earthly um i mean there's a there's a bit where you like you chase a frog into a hamster wheel and it turns the rain on um and you're like okay well this isn't <laughs> this isn't real or like this isn't earth and then when there's literally like switches to flip gravity up on you, you know you flip flip on your head and land on the ceiling you're like okay well yeah this is this definitely isn't uh this this isn't earth the bit when you kind of have to like lift yourself up at the end and throw yourself through that glass screen there's something so like cathartic about that when it actually happens you're just like yeah i don't know about other players but for me it really felt like i tried that like must have been 20 times 20 attempts i had at that and the one time that he managed to avoid that saw blade it just causes this beautiful slow-mo to happen and you're just like shit Oh my god! Did I do it? Did I do it? <laughs> is yeah, that it? That is that's the pinnacle of the the trial and death philosophy of timing. On that is absolutely everything. If you don't get the timing right, you get buzzsawed, you die, you try again. But yeah, breaking through at the end. And I mean, the soundtrack. We haven't really spoken about the soundtrack that much, but I I just think it's so beautifully subtle, and and it gives you such um, like clues and hints about where you are. Um, this is a theme about play dead games where they use the audio to really sort of fill in the gaps of, of where you are and what you're supposed to be feeling and i mean the soundtrack's just brilliant i actually recorded a song on halloween 2019 inspired by the score i say that loosely oh that's amazing if hopefully if uh, anyone from play dead you know gives this a listen like that is just how much something that you have created you've crafted you've lovingly taken the time to to make impactful has meant to another artist to another musician yeah it was just i mean it, there's a lot of sort of if anyone's familiar with um the work of burial he's a sort of a producer from the uk he's got very sort of um dark and like grainy production style and there's a lot of parallels between that and yeah the the compositions on this game i think i called it something pretentious like it actually i called it um murka which is the danish word for darkness i think which is a little bit of a homage to uh to play dead as well that's that's how impactful you know if anyone if anyone's on the fence about it that's how impactful that soundtrack is for me
one thing that I thought was so clever, particularly in the gravity section, is that actually the soundtrack, the sort of subtle, minimal, repeating patterns were actually what was guiding me, and I'm sure a lot of the people who got through it as well, uh, to actually get those puzzles timed perfectly. You get this um, repeating sort of melodic pattern and you know instinctively when to go and when not to go. There is an There's an audio cue as to when you're gonna go, when your gravity is gonna be flipped. Um, so it'll sort of tick and it'll, the ticking will get faster and faster and faster and then when it gets to the end, it'll flip you over. And that's where you know, okay, I'm about to be on the ceiling. I'm about to be on the floor. And if you're in the wrong place when that ticking finishes, guess what, you're fucked. <laughs> There's that bit, isn't there, where you are going through rotating rooms, you know, when it sort of like keeps twisting. And that was really impressive because it took the idea of like, if you think about the, the classic Metroidvania sort of level style from like left to right, it took that and like completely evolved it into, okay, so now you're no longer upright. Where are you going to be in a moment? There's a saw blade there. You better make sure you can make this jump. Are you still going to have to like, you know, you're suddenly the room was sliding around. You've got to contest with gravity in terms of making sure that you don't end up where you're, where you don't want to be, i.e. on the end of a uh, saw blade. Or also, if you have had a crate or if you're interacting with something that's loose in the environment, if that gets flipped over and lands on your noggin, you're toast. Um, there's a theme here, isn't there? You die a lot. <laughs> you die a lot. It, not in a Dark Souls way. Um, no. Because in a Dark Souls way, it's almost, it almost becomes like a kind of a, oh, okay, well, that's an annoying thing. Like, clearly I'm not good enough yet. Whereas this, like you say, <laughs> this almost is a necessity for getting, I mean, Dark Souls, you you know, die a lot as part of a yeah. necessity anyway, because it's teaching you not to be so big for your boots. But there's there's <laughs> not really a penalty in Limbo for dying. It's more like, okay, cool, that didn't work. I'll try it differently this time. And you actually get more creative and more inventive because you're like, oh, well, he's died 20 odd times already. <laughs> you know, what's another saw blade in the head going to do? I think you're so right about the idea of it feeling otherworldly and quite ethereal because, yeah, you, you know, you see elements of like society, you know, like these kind of the hotel side is probably the weirdest bit because that to me is something that feels so grounded in reality but the rest of it like you say you know the frog that runs in the wheel that turns on the rain these strange tribes people that are shooting you with arrows you know there are lots of like corpses hung up this is like a tim burton fairy tale very very macabre yeah big time and um, and with those tribes people they're the only glimpse we have into probably like something that's actually alive and our size. So are they kids as well? And does that make them even more creepy? I mean, yeah, exactly. Like presumably like, you know, the game takes its its name. It name limbo comes from Latin. It's limbus. It's in between. It's the idea of being on the edge of hell and heaven and in purgatory, which is kind of like the in between space when you're neither here nor there. The idea is this is your journey through what is purgatory or what is limbo. Like you can't get out of it will come to the ending in just a bit but there is that like repetition it could even be like a bit of a cycle that this kid is trapped in forever which is a horrible thought well no i mean even even things that we're taking as red like the stuff about it at the end when you when you find another character that, that we assume is your sister i mean the game doesn't explicitly tell you that so there's so much stuff that's like that's left to your imagination which again is you know 
when you're presented with something so minimalist, you you have to draw your own conclusions and you have to kind of work out what you think is happening because it's not going to spoon feed you. The whole point, I guess, in getting from this weird scape of giant insects and mechanical contraptions and, and deadly Aboriginal tribes people is that you're looking for your sister and at the end of the game, you see the silhouette of this young girl who looks about the same age as you. Uh, you walk up to her, she looks like she's digging or maybe like burying something and then the screen fades to black. None of this that we've even spoken about really today has kind of come from direct game exposition. It's all kind of come from things that we've read or things that we've interpreted from it. So where were you at the ending? Like, what did you think was, is that his sister? Are they reunited? Are they both dead? I mean, there's a load of theories about this you've got this entire relationship dynamic you have to work out and be like right so this is the first person or living being that I'm finding that doesn't want to tear me apart who is this person how does she get there and where is there you know is it as you said is it purgatory is it uh, is it you know earth probably not is it somewhere else I mean yeah it's just there's all this subtext that is just completely you're just left with your imagination So most of the theories out there refer to the fact that he's dead. As a character, Limboy is dead. He died at the beginning of the game or he died sometime before. Some people even think that it's a car crash because of the way that you come through at the end, you know, when you crash through the final gravity puzzle. Oh yeah, it's like a windshield. Ooh, I like that. Some people think his sister might be dead. Some people think she might be in the land of the living and that's kind of their final way of saying bye to each other. But here are my kind of three that I liked. So the first one was a theory called Luna's theory. So this states that the boy died in the forest and awakens in limbo, which is obviously the world between life and death. According to many old tales, the soul can only get out of limbo when the body is properly buried. So the boy continues through limbo until he finds his sister and that's what she's burying in the final scene. She's burying his body. She's not digging, but she's actually covering his grave. She senses him and he sees her one last time before going to heaven. So the idea is him kind of like, it's his journey through, you know, life to death and his sister is very much alive. What do you think about that? mate if that's if if you top that i'll be surprised that is sick i love that these people have uh have given this uh more critical thought than i am i'm capable of um (laughs) (laughs) so i'm i'm very impressed so this is the one i was mentioning the crash so the nameless boy in limbo and his family were moving the day he died the car has his mother sister and him the boy hadn't put his seatbelt on when the mother nearly crashed into another car that was on the wrong lane there's some like pre-world building going on here (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, she had a a vanilla air freshener (laughs) and um, they passed McDonald's on the way down the highway. Uh, They swerved and fell into a lake, hence the fear of water. There he finds himself in the world of limbo and finds himself with boxes, the moving boxes from the moving van. The spider, which he fears the worst, which, you know, I mean, I get that totally. It's a bloody massive spider. Uh, And the puzzles are there to make sure he's ready to move on. Once he finishes all of the obstacles, he's ready to say his final goodbye to his sister, who is grieving him by the treehouse that they used to play on. When he's only a few steps away from his sister, she senses his presence. She sits up confused and then happy. 
car crash theory what do we think i think it fits there's a lot of sort of filling in gaps that aren't there (laughs) (laughs) that's like someone's thought of a prequel for this game someone's obviously got the brain for a bit of narrative very impressive but yeah i'm 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 favoring the first one over uh the crash on junction 13 the m25 Final one is actually a lot more optimistic. I like this one because it's kind of, uh, it's probably the most uh, uplifting. The dream theory. The boy and his sister went to the forest to play. When the boy took a nap, he woke up in limbo. Fearing for his sister's safety, he goes to the treehouse and fears the worst and sees the dead person hanging, which obviously you see in the beginning of the game. He convinces himself that it's not her. He then goes to look for her. He knows her fears, uh, which is the spider and the fact she can't swim, so the water. Uh, His fear of strangers are the random kids that he meets. Uh, He's confused as to what's happened to his sister, which is why there are puzzles. Okay. His want to find his sister is shown by him traveling the world for her, going through the forest, the field, the city. His fear of never finding her is shown when he sees a girl, but he's never able to reach her. The end is when gravity starts to shift. The boy realizes that he is asleep, allowing him to change his dream. So it's basically Inception. (laughs) In the end, he goes through the glass and wakes up where he started to find his sister was just fine all along. The ultimate (laughs) cop out. Aside from uh, Inception plagiarism, I, I I do like the um I like the the phobia angle that we've you know we've touched on that already. Like there's a lot of stuff in there that is clearly you know meant to play on those um, quite common phobias that people have. So mm. yeah, that's definitely an abstract take on it. But it's an abstract game, so fair dues. Exactly. All of these are on fandom uh, on Wikia. But yeah, I was having a great time reading through them earlier, but like I thought some of them were absolutely awesome. There's one about uh, the idea of it repeating, which is kind of what I thought, you know, at the end where it sort of seems as though it's going to start all over again because you saw the young girl at the beginning and you kind of see her again at the end. So is it just like an endless cycle? Yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And I think, like you say, because it is so abstract, you can really do what you want with it. What did you take from it? We'd really like to know, like get in contact with us, hit us up on social, let us know what your thoughts were when you finish Limbo. Giant spiders are 50 shades of fuck no. Absolutely not. Give me a massive slipper, please. Thanks for checking out our episode on Limbo. And if you're yet to play it, go and do just that. It's so cheap and so short and will make your puzzler sore in a good way. Brain enrichment right there. We're also planning to cover Inside in the next couple of weeks. Lovely old Playdead's follow-up title, which draws on many of the same themes as Limbo. Got a game you want us to cover? Feel free to let us know on socials your recommendations and we'll give you a shout out when we do. Massive thanks as always to Neil Kuhn for our amazing artwork, Daniel Ansel for the spoiler alarm and Matt Chapman of Muchas Music for our ear-tickling theme song. Enjoy the rest of your Christmas break, take care of each other, wash your damn hands and speak to you again soon. Now it's over to Bert to play us out.